Greetings, hello and good morning. Happy Easter to all those who are watching from America, uh, all my family and friends that are there. To all of us uh, here at Alpha Omega International, we say happy Passover. Uh, but to all of you that are watching, all of you that are joining in for this sermon, today is Resurrection Sunday. Praise God. This is the day that we remember Jesus Christ rose from the dead and the gospel is complete. According to the Bible, here is the gospel, that Jesus died according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again. For us Christians, the foundation of who we are and all that we have, all the hope that we have in this world and the hope in the next world, it all finds its foundation in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So welcome today. It's good to have you all here with us. Today I'm going to be preaching from the Gospel of John. Uh, as you know, I just started a new series called Portraits, and today we're going to continue that series, but looking at the resurrection morning of Jesus Christ. Today's sermon is entitled, Love's Devotion. Love's Devotion. And so if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to the Gospel of John, and I'm going to read from John chapter 20, verse one and two, and then we're going to skip down a little bit and pick up on verse 11 until 18. All right, so let's read this together. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Verse 11. But Mary stood outside by the tomb, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabbani, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Amen. For today's sermon on this Resurrection Sunday, sermon entitled, Love's Devotion, we are going to be looking at a portrait of Mary, Mary Magdalene. And as we look at this story of the resurrection, when we look at Mary, we're going to find three things about her in this story. Number one, we're going to see how Mary loved Jesus. Number two, we'll see how Mary looked for Jesus. And then number three, we will finish by seeing how Mary 
latched onto Jesus. All right, so let's begin. Number one, Mary loved Jesus. Verse number one says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. It's already been three days since Jesus was crucified and his body placed into the tomb. Each day must have seemed like an eternity for Jesus' disciples and all his close followers. Days which were filled with questions, confusion, sadness, and also fear. We read on the third day, which happened to be Sunday, early in the morning, before the sun was ever up, the grass still covered with the morning dew. Just outside Jerusalem, a woman is hurrying through the gardens and the groves. She's carrying ointment and spices. She's on her way to the tomb of Jesus. Her name is Mary. She's from a small town called Magdala, which is right on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. And so, in the Bible, she is called Mary Magdalene. The Bible says that during the ministry of Jesus, he visited many cities and many villages in the area of Galilee. We read many times of his traveling around the Sea of Galilee and even across, back and forth on the Sea of Galilee. And it was during one of these visits that he met Mary. And when he found her, she was in a world of chaos. She was horribly possessed with seven demons. Now the Gospels don't speak about any specifics when it comes to her torment. But from what we read in the accounts of what the Gospels say about other people in demonic possession, we can only imagine how powerful this was and how terrifying it was for Mary to be possessed by seven demons. But in the Bible, we are told very simply that Jesus healed her. And it was something that must have changed her life from that very moment. Mary, as well as many other women in the life of Jesus, they began selling all their possessions in order to provide finances for Jesus and his ministry and for his disciples. Mary was among these women who sold all that she had in order to support Jesus. From the moment she met Jesus, she became a devoted follower. It was the kind of devotion that was fearless, willing to go anywhere at any time for the Lord. Mary was with Jesus in his ministry. She was there at the cross when he was crucified. She was also there at the tomb when they placed his body inside it and rolled the stone in the doorway. And she doesn't know it yet, but she will also be there to see the empty tomb. And she will be the first to see her resurrected Lord. She's on her way to the tomb early this morning because of one thing, love. It was love that brought her to the tomb. Mary loved Jesus for all that he was and for all that he did for her. And the love that Mary had for Jesus 
It's a lot like the love that we find in the book Song of Songs. Song of Songs is about a bridegroom and his bride and the love that they have for each other. It's a picture of Jesus, the bridegroom, and the church, the bride. But the love that we see from the bride to her bridegroom is the same love we find in Mary. Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 7 says, Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. There are many who were in hiding when Jesus was crucified because the waters of fear and the floods of persecution began to rise. Not so with Mary. She loved Jesus and she would walk through an army for him. Why do we do the things we do for the Lord? You ever wonder that? Why do we do what we do for the Lord? Is it because we're commanded to do certain things? Is it because we feel a sense of obligation to do things? Or is it simply because we love Him? I heard someone say one time that when we love someone, we find out what makes that person happy, what puts a smile on their face, and then we do those things that make them happy. That's what love does. I remember when I was a boy, maybe 11 or 12 years old, I was between the grades of six and seven, and it was during our summer vacation, summer holiday at school. And in America, those holidays last a long time, maybe two, two and a half months. And so on this summer vacation that I was now on, my mother wanted to make sure that I didn't just waste time watching TV all day and, and sleeping all day and doing nothing. So she said to me that when she goes to work and my father goes to work and I'm home alone, she gave me some responsibilities to do, some chores around the house. And if I were to complete those chores each day, then at the end of the week, by Saturday, she would give me, I think it was $5. And so Monday morning came the very first day and before my mom went to work, she had a list for me with about five different chores vacuuming the floor, washing the dishes, mopping the floor, making my bed and things like that. And so when she went to work, I looked at that list and one by one I did each one and I checked off, you know, each as I did it. And sure enough, at the end of the week, because I was faithful to complete my list, my mom gave me $5. But you know what? It didn't take long. In fact, it was probably the very next week. By the perhaps next Monday morning, when I woke up and my mom was going to work, I, it got to a point where I didn't have to look at a list anymore because I already knew what my mom wanted to have done. I already knew the things that she was expecting to have done. And not only that, I began to do what I did, not so that I can get a $5 bill at the end of the week, but I learned to love when I did all the chores I was supposed to do. I loved it when my mom came home and smiled because she was pleased with what I did. I no longer did what I did for a $5 bill. I did it because it put a smile on my mom's face. And so as the weeks went by, my mom would go to work and I just wanted to surprise her. So I would clean well beyond any list 
telling me what to clean. I cleaned as much as I could just to surprise her when she came home. I did what I did because I simply loved my mom and I wanted to do the things that made her pleased and happy. And I think this is the relationship we are to have with Jesus. We do what we do simply because we love him. Mary loved Jesus. And as she approaches the tomb on this morning, she notices something is not right. She looks at the tomb and it seems like something is out of place. And as she draws closer, she sees that the stone has been rolled away. And we come to number two. Mary looked for Jesus. Perhaps in her panic, if you continue reading through the story, in her panic, perhaps, she runs to find Peter and John to tell them that she was there at the tomb. The body of Jesus is gone and nobody knows where the body is. And so, John, who tells the story, says that he and Peter went running to the tomb. And because John was a younger man at the time, he outran Peter. So John gets to the tomb first. He sees the stone rolled away and he looks inside the tomb and, of course, there's no body. Peter finally catches up and he <clears throat> stoops down and he goes inside of the tomb, looks at the, the, the platform where the body of Jesus would have been and also sees that he's not there. <clears throat> John also goes inside of the tomb and observes all that's happening. And all Mary knows once she finally gets there is these two men are inside the tomb looking for a body. And as she's looking at both men inside, not knowing what's being said, not knowing exactly what's going through their mind, they just simply come out and they run away without saying anything to Mary. Can you imagine? And so here she is left standing there once again, all by herself, even more confused than she was before. John and Peter forgot to tell her what they believed was happening. And so we come to verse 11 to verse 13, and here's what it says. But Mary stood outside by the tomb, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And then the angel said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. <clears throat> Mary stood there, weeping, not knowing what was going on, not knowing what John and Peter must have probably known. She wept until she finally decided to do what John did, to take a closer look. And so she went to the tomb and she also stooped down and took a look inside. And when she did, there were two angels there one sitting on either side of the, the platform table where Jesus' body had been laying. And there they are, dressed in white. These spiritual beings from heaven came down into that tomb and presented themselves to Mary. Now, if it were me seeing those two angels, I can only imagine, I think I would have been shocked, amazed, startled, and perhaps even afraid. But Mary felt none of these things. Why? 
Because Mary wasn't looking for angels. She was looking for Jesus. Mary's desire wasn't to find angels. It was to find Jesus. These two angels said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? It was an honest question. And maybe they just couldn't understand how she's not believing. How she doesn't quite understand what the scriptures had said. What Jesus himself said. That he would be crucified and he would rise again. And so these angels, not understanding how Mary could be weeping, say, Why are you weeping? And so, the angels know something she doesn't know. I think the angels are often amazed with us because they don't know what it's like to be us. Angels don't know fully what it's like to be a man or a woman living in this dark, sin-filled world. They don't understand exactly what it's like to be human. In fact, I believe angels are a bit amazed as well at the love that God has for us. There's an Old Testament psalm that many believe is actually the voice of an angel speaking when it says, What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you visit him, that you care about him. What is man, God, that you are so concerned and so loving toward man? I think the angels sometimes look at us and perhaps they wonder, why does God love his creatures this much? These same creatures that are so prone to walk away, drift away. They're so prone to claim one thing with their mouth, but yet live another way. They're so quick to lose faith, have such small faith. They're so quick to doubt. God, what is it about them that you love so much? I think we amaze the angels. They give an honest question to Mary. Why are you weeping? And in return, Mary gives an honest answer. She says, I'm looking for Jesus, and I don't know where he is. Verse 14 says, Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing that he was the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. I wonder, and maybe you have as well when we read this story, I wonder why it is that when Mary turned around and saw Jesus, why did she not know that it was Jesus? Is it perhaps because her eyes are still feel, filled with tears? Is she still seeing but in a blurred vision, a blurred vision and she just can't quite make out who this man is? Maybe not. Could it be perhaps that Jesus was sort of hiding himself? Sort of like what he did with the two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus. When Jesus caught up with them and was talking with them, 
They had no idea that it was Jesus. Not until they invited him to their home and he broke bread with them, then their eyes were open and they knew it was him and then he was gone just like that. Maybe that's why Mary didn't recognize him. Maybe he has hidden himself for a moment. But also, maybe it was this. When Mary went to the tomb early this morning, not once did she believe that she would actually see Jesus alive again. That was never on her mind. She's going to the tomb to anoint once again and, and apply spices on a corpse. She's not there to see a living Jesus. And so in her mind, although she's looking at Jesus, perhaps there's something in her that says, but Jesus is not alive. I, of course this isn't him because he died. I saw it with my own eyes. Maybe that's why she didn't recognize him. Not too long ago, I took a trip with my family to America. We went to Florida to one of our favorite vacation spots, Walt Disney World in Orlando. And one night I was there with my family, my wife and my daughters, my brother, his family, and my sister and her family as well. And while we were there at Epcot, we were getting ready. We were right along the lake that's there, getting ready to watch the fireworks show. Well, in all this time, I didn't know it, but my cousin John, who I grew up with in North Carolina, who I hadn't seen for at least 20 years, John was there. John was in Disney World at Epcot, and he was near where we were standing. I didn't know it, but my brother Brandon and my sister Desiree knew. And so they just told John, when you get here, surprise Heath. And so here I am just waiting for the fireworks to begin, and my wife and my daughters are around me, and I hear my name called, Heath. And I turn around because I didn't recognize the voice, and I look and I I saw my cousin John, but in my mind I couldn't quite figure it out because I know I see him, but in my mind I shouldn't be seeing him. It doesn't make any sense. How is it that I'm at Epcot watching the fireworks and yet here is my cousin John? It took me a while to gather the information. And so finally I just said, John? <laughs> and we hugged each other. I, I couldn't believe it. I never expected to see my cousin and his wife and his, and his kids there. And yet there he was, and it took me some time to, to figure it out. When I think of Mary, I think maybe she's going through the same thing. She never expected to see her risen Savior, and yet there he is, right before her eyes. And then when Jesus speaks to her, notice he asks the same exact question that the angels asked her. Woman, why are you weeping? But you know, this question is not like the angels' question. This question isn't coming from the angels now, it's coming from Jesus. And when Jesus asks the question, he asks it as someone who knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to live in this world, to rub shoulders with society. He knows what it's like to be saddened, to be joyful, to be betrayed, misunderstood. He knows what every emotion of humanity is like. 
He even knows what temptation is like, although he never sinned. He still knows all things that we go through. And when we cry, his question to us or his question to Mary, why are you weeping? It's a heart that understands the weeping soul. His heart is a human heart. And today it's still beating as a human heart. He knows all that we go through. He knows our needs. He knows our emotions. He knows what it's like to be us. And so the question from Jesus is filled with understanding and compassion and love. What are you looking for? He said. Whom are you looking for? And there is another question we should also ask ourselves. And so I ask you, what are you looking for? In this world, especially right now, in time of perhaps fear, worry, concern, what are you looking for? Who is it that you're looking for? Are you looking toward finances? Are you looking for help from another person? Or are you looking, as Mary was, for Jesus? As you can see behind me, I have a lot of books. One of my favorite places to go is a bookstore. Here in Indonesia, I haven't found any bookstore, but every time I get to travel outside to America, in America, when I go, I'll find the local Barnes and Noble and I'll go to the bookstore and just take a look at the books. In Singapore, there's another bookstore I'll go to. And often, especially when I go to Singapore, which is a few times a year, I often go into the bookstore and I'll go to the, the religious section, which includes Christianity and things like that, and I'll take a look at books. But I always find people who are also looking at books. And when I look at the books that they are pulling out and, and taking a look at, talking to each other about, there are books about self-help. There are books about finding your spiritual center in life. There are books based on Hinduism and Buddhism and every other religion you can name. And I can't help but think to myself as they're looking at all these books and discussing and flipping through the pages and reading the cover, I can't help but think to myself, asking them, what are you looking for? What is it that you are seeking? Sometimes I'm tempted to take a Bible off of the shelf and say, here is what you need. Here is where you'll find the answers you're looking for. There are so many people in the world today and they look in every direction to find what will satisfy their need. But I will tell you this, no matter what your need is, if you're looking around in this world to satisfy that need, your search will go on and on and on. But when you look to Jesus, when you seek, search after Jesus, you will find the answers to questions. You'll find the answers to your needs, to the deepest needs of our hearts. What are you looking for today? She said to Jesus, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Oh, how Mary loved Jesus and just wants to find him. 
Here she is, one person, one woman, and she's telling this supposed gardener, tell me where his body is and I, by myself, I will pick him up and carry him back again. She's not even thinking straight. It's probably something impossible for one person to be able to do that. But she's not thinking about those things. All she wants is to find Jesus. Such love, such devotion. Again, it reminds me of the woman from the Song of Songs, the bride, when she says, I will seek the one I love. The things that we seek for in this world are the things that we love. I can tell you what you love when I find what it is you are seeking after. May Jesus be the one thing we all seek after. That we, like Mary and like the bride in Song of Songs, say, I will seek the one I love. Oh, how Mary wants to find Jesus. Little does she know that Jesus has found her. Praise God. Mary loved Jesus. Mary looked for Jesus. And number three, Mary latched onto Jesus. Looking at verse 16 and 17, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabbani, which is to say, teacher. And then Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. This moment right here, this, this is the, the one scene. If we were to make a portrait of this story, this is the moment we want to capture right here. This is such a beautiful moment between Jesus and Mary. And it also brings us to a very important lesson as well as Jesus is going to unfold to Mary. If you just take out the narrative, all you have are two words spoken. Jesus says, Mary, and she says, Rabbani. So it's simply, Mary, Rabbani. Such a beautiful picture. And you can sense that in her excitement, as she is saying this to him, she, think of it, she, she didn't know by looking at Jesus. She couldn't tell by her sight that it was Jesus. It was by what she heard. She heard him speak her name. Maybe in that, that Galilean accent that she remembered him having, or, or if it just opened up her heart on the inside. You know, as Jesus says, my sheep, they know my voice. But when he said Mary, she knew immediately by what she heard that this was Jesus. And the excitement as she says, Rabbani, you can tell that she's sort of lunging toward him. Because if you look at the very next thing he says, it's, do not cling to me. In other words, when she says Rabbani, she immediately lunged toward him and she latched onto him and she was clinging to him. And perhaps, I don't know, he let a few seconds go by. Maybe he let a minute go by until finally he said, do not cling to me. But what a beautiful picture this is. A woman who loves her Lord, sees him alive once again. She's found the one she has loved. And here she is embracing him in this clinging. 
He says to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Again, in Song of Songs, chapter 3, verse 4, there's a story of the bride looking for her bridegroom. And finally, she finds him. And here's what she says, I have found the one I love. I held him and would not let him go. And so now the question is, why is Jesus telling Mary, do not cling to me? What does that mean? And, and is it a rebuke? Is he upset with her? No, it's not a rebuke. He's not angry. She's not doing something wrong. So why does he say it? To me, there are two reasons. There's an immediate reason, and there's also a future reason. The immediate reason, possibly, is this. This Sunday morning that this is all taking place, it was also called First Fruits. And on the day of First Fruits, which would be the, the first Sunday that comes after Passover, on the morning of First Fruits, people would celebrate the fact that the harvest that they are planting they know and by faith they know that God will provide the harvest sometime in the weeks to come but on first fruits they gather the beginning of their harvest and they bring it to the temple and they wave it before God as an offering as a wave offering and they're telling God that they trust in him that if he has provided the first fruits there will be a harvest to come well on the day of first fruits the high priest before he ministers to anybody else's need before he helps anyone bring their wave offering before God he himself must provide a wave offering so the high priest early in the morning he will gather his own first fruits go before God at the temple and wave them before him he comes before him with his own first fruits acknowledging that a harvest is coming and so Jesus our high priest as the book of Hebrews tells us Jesus also because he is high priest he must also ascend into the presence of his father and provide his own first fruits wave offering so he's on his way to heaven to do just that and what is his offering what are his first fruits well, do you remember that when Jesus died on the cross, there was a great earthquake, a violent earthquake that split the rocks. It opened tombs and graves. And the Bible says that after Jesus rose from the dead, there were other saints of God that he rose from the dead and they began to walk throughout the city and people saw these resurrected saints. I believe what is about to happen is that Jesus is, a, is going to ascend into heaven, the risen Son of God, and He's not going alone. He's bringing His first fruits of the resurrection before God as His wave offering. And as we picture that, the Bible says that Jesus Himself is the first fruits of the resurrection. Then we also know there will be a harvest, praise God, and we are that harvest of the resurrection. So Jesus has something to do. He has a place that he needs to go. He has an offering he needs to make. Mary, don't cling to me. I must go and do this. But there's another reason why I believe he says this to her. And it's a future reason. 
I believe it's because the relationship that Mary had known with Jesus and the relationship the disciples knew they had with Jesus, it's about to change. It's not going to be exactly the same as it was before. Because Jesus, after another 40 days, He's going to ascend into heaven and sit on the throne once again. And there He shall be. And for the disciples, no longer will they be able to see Him face to face as they did before. And as John said in his first epistle, we, held, we, we beheld Him, we saw Him, we touched Him, we heard Him. Mary could say this too. All the disciples and the followers of Jesus could say this, but no longer. No longer will He be right there for them to touch Him, to see Him, to audibly hear His voice. Mary, don't cling to me because I must go back and I won't be here for you to do this anymore. And so now there's a new relationship. You are not to walk by what you see or what you touch. You must walk by faith. Remember the words that I have spoken to you and the Holy Spirit who dwells in us will remind us what the Lord has spoken. And now we live not by sight. We live by faith in this new relationship with Jesus. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And also in this new relationship, Jesus says to Mary, for her and for all believers, now my father is your father. My God is your God. Jesus, God the Son, came into this world and humbled himself, made himself obedient, and he submitted to the will of the Father. And in that condescension, God became Father. And even the way that Jesus lived his life, he lived as though he was God and I'm the one that obeys the word of God. And he gave us a perfect example of the relationship that we now have with God, our Father and our God. And so in closing, let's conclude with this. Love's devotion. This is what we see in Mary Magdalene. And because of her devotion to Jesus, he trusted her. He commissioned her to go and to preach. She became the first person to preach the gospel of Jesus. She was to go and tell the disciples that Jesus was alive and that he was ascending into heaven. She was the first to be commissioned. He entrusted her to preach this gospel. Jesus died. He was buried and he lives forevermore. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus stepped off his throne and he came into this world to live a perfect life and also to give his life on the cross for us. He died. He was buried in a tomb and three days later, he rose again. Forty days after that, he ascended back into heaven where he sits right now on the throne. But the next time he steps off his throne, 
he steps off as the bridegroom who's coming for his bride, the church. And in, until that day happens, let us, may we love him for who he is and what he has done. We look for him in all things and at all times and last let's latch on to him of course we cannot do this physically as mary did at the resurrection but in faith in the way that we trust in the way that we devote ourselves to him let us latch on to christ with a steadfast faith immovable unchangeable jesus is alive forevermore and we are the bride and soon and very soon we will see him again and then our faith will become sight this is Resur resurrection sunday let us pray and ask the lord's blessing lord thank you thank you that today you are alive forevermore and we thank you lord jesus because you are alive we also have the promise of resurrection we know that this life right now, when we die, that's not the end because you have given us eternal life. And this eternal life is not something we are waiting for. It's not something we are waiting to receive. No, because we believe in Jesus, we have eternal life today. And so God, I pray until the day comes that we see you face to face, May we be found in love with you, looking for you, and latching our lives to you. Help us, Lord, to have a steadfast faith and always be looking up, waiting for your return. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done. And thank you that today we have a living Savior who sits on the throne. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Happy Easter, happy Passover, happy Resurrection Sunday. May God bless you. May God keep you. May God cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace from Jesus Christ. Peace through Jesus for your minds and for your hearts. And may the Lord write his name upon our hearts i pray that right now you know that if you were to look up you will see as the bride did in song of songs you will see a banner that waves above you and it says this is the one that i love jesus loves you praise god god bless you and i'll see you next time uh, during our online service until then may god be with you praise god